Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 144, the post-Thanksgiving edition of the Broken Pie Chart Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, let's get a check-in of markets, oil, the economy, bonds, and much, much more. Uh, just going to cover a few, uh, some of these will make these a little more evergreen, meaning you can listen to them at any point. Uh, this one will be a little more topical, but I've been getting a lot of questions on kind of what's going on. Is this new Omicron or Omicron variant? Uh, is that going to cause problems for the market? Have a couple thoughts on that. And really, you know, obviously Friday in a limited session, markets were down. So we'll talk about all that stuff. Uh, before I get started, of course, if you want to get a hold of me, it's uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K dot Moore, M-O-O-R-E, at ZegaFinancial.com. That's Z is in zebra, E-G-A, and the rest is up to you, ZegaFinancial.com. And uh, of course, if you're uh, someone who has questions about investing or you want to learn a little bit more about how you can hedge your portfolio and some of the things we do, by all means, reach out. I'd love to talk to uh, listeners and see if I can help you out. And you know, keep the comments coming. I enjoy, I enjoy uh, hearing from listeners. I was going to say something else, but that wouldn't have made sense. And uh, a lot of times episodes, topics and guests and different things are suggested by listeners. And thus far, we've remained ad-free. And I have no, no intention to uh, put ads into this podcast anytime soon. All right. So without further ado, uh, Friday, we saw the Russell 2000. It was down over 5% at one point. We actually saw the NASDAQ was down a little over 1%, S&P down close to 2%. So it was kind of that reversal of what we've been seeing with rates up, tech stocks down. Rates fell. Uh, rates were, you know, fell down to, I think, 153 or so was the final, though uh, got a little bit lower than that. And so uh, different market action. And the big news that came out on Friday was this new variant of concern coming out of South Africa. And so it, it's interesting. I mean, I like to look, you know, take a, a step back anytime there's news because I always ask, you know, things don't matter until they matter. And I think this is one of those cases where uh, the market decided it mattered on Friday. We'll see if it matters going forward. But prior to this little pullback, and in the grand scheme of things, especially if you're hedged, I mean, if, you're he if you've got a hedge portfolio, I mean, you, you probably don't even, you know, take, take too much of a, a look at markets when they do that. But prior to this, uh, a lot of people have made the argument, hey, rates are going up, it's going to hurt stocks. And, and we know that certain sectors, certain types of stocks do get, uh, you know, do get impacted. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. And I, I took a glance at the JP Morgan Guide to the Markets. And if you haven't looked at that, I think you got to put your email in. I think some of it is available to general public. Some of it is I, I think you have to be on the institutional side or, uh, you know, be a quote-unquote professional, but I don't know. I, I just logged in and uh, I, I look at it from time to time. 
And so prior to this little downturn, no question about it, uh, forward PEs were higher than they've been. Remember, price to earnings ratio and the forward ratio looks at the price compared to the next 12 months estimates. And that's a key thing. They're estimates. We actually don't know what the real earnings are going to be until they come out. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, talk a little bit about it in a second. The estimates were quite low, especially at the end, you know, mid-2020, end of 2020, beginning of 2021, for not only fiscal year 21, but 22, 23. And those have all been coming up. Uh, but without question, we were, um, you know, about 20, a little over 20 on the forward PE on the 23rd. Now, that's going to come down a little bit because the market sold off. And, you know, the, a lot of people mentioned the Schiller PE and, and things like that. And sure, that we're over 40 on the Schiller PE and the 27 or 25-year average is 27. And there's some other, you know, some other things. So we're, we're definitely stretched on valuation. But those forward PEs, remember, are looking at estimates. We really don't know what the actual earnings are going to be. And to give you a, an example, in 2021, I believe the, the consensus analyst estimate is now above $200 per share. So I know on the S&P 500, it's tough to get your arms around, well, wait a second, isn't the S&P 500 a lot of stocks? Yeah, it's, it's a little over 500. And there's some main uh, different share classifications like Google has two different shares on there. But uh, I mean, that's a far cry from how low estimates were prior. And so these keep getting revised up. And I think I, saw, I heard something on CNBC the other day that over 80% of companies have beat their earnings estimates. So those are, those are actually those that are releasing estimates. They're beating their, their quarterly uh, analyst estimates. Sorry, releasing their earnings, they are beating their, uh, their consensus estimates. And then, you know, you go out to 2022, and uh, that's getting close to, I don't think it's quite $225 a share, but it's getting close to there. And then, you know, 23, which is a long way away, I think that's, uh, that's something like $235, $240 per share right now. And then you look at, so there, there's two different ways that a market can, can go up. And, and look, supply and demand is everything. There's more buyers than sellers. The stock market's going to go up. And the inverse, if there's more sellers than buyers. And it is interesting on Friday, shortened session after Thanksgiving, a lot of people off the trading desk. You know, that whenever you see big moves like that on light days, that's always, hey, let's see what happens on, on Monday. Um, we have no idea what the market's going to do, right? But uh, I will point that out. But when we look at how stocks move, on the fundamental side, we would say you can grow the earnings or you could grow the multiple. What does that mean? Well, let's say you have a stock that's, I don't know, uh, $100 a share and their earnings per share were $10. Its PE was, okay, 100 divided by 10. So what is that? It's a 10 PE. 
it's trading at 10 times its trailing 12 months earnings. So when I say trailing 12 months, that's what's happened already. So those are already released. And so there's two ways that a stock could move. And I mean, I don't want to over-confuse things, but basically you, you grow earnings and you keep the same multiple or the multiple expands. So let's, let's cover the first one. If you have, let's say, $10 a share and you're trading at 100, your EPS is 10, you're at 100, your PE ratio is 10 because you're trading at 10 times earnings. Well, let's say you maintain that same 10 PE. So you keep trading at 10 times earnings, but earnings grow. And let's say that earnings now are $15 a share and you keep the same multiple, meaning you're trading at 10x or 10 times, then you're trading at 150. And so that's an example of where you've had earnings growth. You've had earnings grow 50% and the stock goes up 50%, uh, but the multiple stays the same. In another example, and these aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, you could have a combination of both and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But in the other example, let's say that the stock goes to 200 and earnings stay at $10 per share. Well, earnings haven't changed, but the multiple has increased. It's gone from 10 times earnings to 20 times earnings. And so that's an example of multiple growth. And if we look at the S&P 500 over the last, uh, looks like this, this is year to date. Uh, again, I'll put a link to the JP Morgan Guide to the Markets. So far, uh, S&P is up about 25%, uh, the price return. And if you look at what's happened, well, earnings growth, uh, you've had 30.9%, multiple growth minus 6.1. And so multiples have come in, but earnings have grown. And this is you know, not a lot of people talk about this. I mean, the fundamental analysts know of this and especially value investors. Uh, but it, it is interesting to look at that. And so much of the growth or all of the growth this year has come from earnings growth, not multiple growth. And again, you could have some multiple growth. You could have some earnings growth. doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, but certainly corporate profits have been good. Uh, how good have they been? Well, in 2021, and look, probably, you know, earnings, earnings per share growth from the S&P 500 in 2020 was down 22%. In 2021, year to date, they're up 68%. And that can get broken down even further. And so if we look at 2021, uh, total EPS is plus 67.8%. So that's uh, earnings per share growth. But then you can break that down, and 51.6% of that are, is margin growth, meaning how much the company's making for every widget they sell. So it means price, either their costs are going lower, their price is going higher, and their costs are staying the same. There's some combination of both. You could also have revenue expansion. That was plus 17.1% year-to-date, and, and share count. All else equal, if you reduce the shares, earnings per share should go up. We've actually had share count increase. So it's negative 0.9%. So those are interesting things too. 
And I know everyone's focused on inflation, but margins are kind of a fascinating place to look and see. So far, companies' earnings, and I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with markets. And I know that sounds strange for all of you to hear because we're in the business of managing money. And, uh, but we don't make predictions. I mean, we're just essentially setting up uh, being invested in the market and then hedging on really the, the largest uh, part of stuff that we manage. But I, th- I do think it's, it's kind of interesting to, uh, uh, to think about that. And to be a little clearer, what I'm saying is if inflation or, or cost of goods was increasing more than prices were increasing, you would expect margins to be contracting. And thus far, we've seen margins be, be pretty good. Uh, so, and we look at S&P profit margins, uh, and you can look at quarterly operating earnings divided by sales. Uh, we're at 13 or end of Q3, we're at 13.2%. That's higher than, at least I'm looking at this chart, going back to 92, 93 so some interesting stuff there. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll mention too is that it's been a rather benign year. And we think about, you know, the high yield space, high yield, talking about high yield bonds. And those are, those are companies whose debt is, of course, rated lower. So, but when you, when you look at high yield and you look at, uh, you know, things like, the change in bankruptcies or what the current rate of bankruptcies are, they're actually kind of low. This is trailing 12 months and it looks like 0.44% is the bankruptcy rate. And so that's really low. I know you can't see the chart I'm looking at, but I mean, I, I probably have to go back to, oh, I don't know, 07, end of 06, around there. Uh, back when it's been that low. The other interesting thing, too, is that the recovery rate. So that that's just a, a way of saying, you know, when you have a bond, typically you have a, a higher claim in the, uh, in the equity structure uh, above common stock, above preferreds. And if the company goes bankrupt, in theory, you sell off everything and you recover some amount. And the recovery rate as of the end of, uh, well, of November 23rd was about 43.2%. Uh, 30-year average is 39.6. So the bankruptcies are down and recovery rates are up. I, again, I, I'm not using this to make predictions, but I like these are different things to, to check in on. Of course, yields are lower and Maybe on on the other side, we are seeing tightening of the yield spread or the yield curve spread. And when the yield curve gets really flat, sometimes that's the bond market sort of saying, well, we're not sure if growth is going to be the same in the long term as it it is in the near term. Uh, It gets a little bit tricky because we've been dealing with inflation. And as I've mentioned prior on another broadcast, Five-year break-evens are higher, at least they were last time I checked, than the five-year, five-year forward 
break-even rate. And so that's a fancy way from saying, uh, what's the, uh, the difference between the nominal treasury, let's say, of five years and the tips bond of five years? And you look at that, and then you look at, so years, let's say, one to five, and then years six to 10. And right now, those are inverted. So the curve, the break-even curve, is saying that uh, expect more inflation in the near term and then that to, to abate. Um, I wouldn't do it justice trying to get into the, the intricacies of that. So I'll leave that for there. Uh, but the other thing, too, is I've heard a lot about is oil. And oil, I mean, all right, so we hit, I think, a high of 78.50. We might have been above 80 on West, West Texas uh, Intermediate Crude, or WTI. And it's prices have come down a little bit off that. Uh, I don't think releasing the strategic uh, oil from the, the SPR, strategic, strategic petroleum reserve, it is really going to make that much of an impact. I looked at some some research and some some uh, analyzation of of prior releases, uh, and also I think we consume about eighteen so eighteen million barrels a day, and so if they release fifty million barrels, that's really only two two and a half days. So, but I, I just was curious, and I looked back, and I, and I remember this. Because after Katrina, uh, in July 3rd of 2008, oil hit a high of 145.29. Now, that's nominal. And what that means is that does not account for inflation. So if you price that in today's dollars, meaning you probably need to put that up you know, about 3% a year or 2.5% a year, in inflation adjusted in today's dollars, that would be, that would be higher. And of course... Uh, by February 12th of 09, oil hit a low of 33.98. And that was the low uh, until February of 2016 when it hit 26.21. Again, these are nominal prices, not adjusted for inflation. And that next low came after uh, another high when we were you know, close to 107 in, in June of 14. And so we have seen these ebbs and flows. Uh, if we look October 3rd of 2018, we were 76.41. So we were a little higher now, or were a little bit higher now than we were back then. We're probably about the same. And yeah, in April of 2020, you might remember one day the the near futures contract in crude oil actually went negative. There was no place to store it. So you, if you could have found storage, you would have been paid to take a barrel of oil. But um, I, I looked though... And there's some data on growth of production of oil since 2018. And it looks like OPEC is down 7.7%. And, and I'll just mention, this includes some estimates, not only for 21, but for 22. But uh, U.S. production is up 12.6%. Russia is up 1.7%. So globally... Growth since 2018 is up 0.7%. Okay, so what about consumption? Well, U.S. consumption from uh, since 2018 is down 0.7%. Uh, China is up 12.2%. Uh, globally, it's up 0.6%. And so you look at that and you say, okay, 
growth of production is a little bit higher than consumption. So are we really at, at you know, unbelievably low levels of inventory? Is demand way, way up? Um, you know, those, those are numbers that include some estimates. One of the things you can look at, though, is the rig counts, and you can look at inventories. And the inventories include the SPR, or Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And so we're at around, uh, let me see, this is millions of barrels. So we got a, a thousand, uh, let me see here. I got to do the, uh, the conversion. I got to remember my conversion here. Yeah, okay. So that's, uh, I'd say a little over a billion, just doing my, uh, my conversion there from the chart. Now we had higher, uh, actually, sorry, this is U.S. crude inventories, Okay. So just to be clear, this does include all of the, the inventory across the world. I can't remember if I misspoke and said worldwide, but U.S. inventories, a little over a billion. You know, back in 17, we were about 1.2 and change billion. Uh, in you know, somewhere before COVID, we were close to, uh, you know, between 1.15 and 1.2 billion barrels in inventory. One of the things that has not come back to pre-pandemic levels, though, is the active rigs. So rig count. So those are a little over uh, the scale. I'm not going to be able to get this right, but I'll say a little over 500. But prior to, you know, if we look at the highs of 19, there were over 1,000 rigs. And, and those come on and offline. And that depends a lot on prices. So one of the ways you cure high oil prices, as they say, is high oil prices, just because there's more incentive to, uh, you know, to go out and, and uh, you can spend more money if oil's higher to go and extract the stuff wherever that is. So anyway, I, I think it's, I, I would say this market is, is really interesting. I'm not sure if the SPR reserve uh, will do anything, but, uh, you know, I, I think, if you're following this market, you want to look at the inventory levels. You want to look at the rig count. And uh, obviously OPEC has, I believe they, what they're doing is they're not raising their output to levels of, of pre-COVID because they had come down as prices come down. And I think that's one of the sticking points right now. So we'll see what happens there. So we started off the program talking about uh, the news on Friday that the market did care about COVID again. And I mean, look, I think this is, if let's say governments around the world, if they actually do wholesale lockdowns like they did in, uh, you know, beginning or, or mid 2020, and I think Austria, there's a few other, Germany, um, although I, I did watch a, uh, we'll say a, a German football match or soccer to, uh, to us, and it looked like full stadiums over there, so uh, don't really have a quote-unquote boots-on-the-ground report on that. But these are things that if uh, that is a risk to growth, and if you see demand really come in, although it seems like that uh, people shifted their, uh, their shopping to online, uh, and that's a whole other thing regarding the uh, uh, supply chain and everything there. But so... The best thing to do is really just be hedged against all this and stay invested in the market. 
our research has shown, and we've talked about this, Jay Pestercelli and I, on a prior broadcast, that even missing just the two best days of the market each year, literally, like, look at every day the market was open and take the two best return, daily returns, and just take those out. And you would see, you know, hypothetically, a uh, over a 20-year period, something like a difference of, I don't know, 6% in the annualized return. I mean, that's theoretical, right? That assumes a lot of things. But we do know that if you miss some of the best days of the year, that can be challenging. And the reason we bring that up is because a lot of people try and time the markets. And if you don't get it perfectly right, it becomes problematic from a return standpoint. And people say, well, why not just miss the worst days of the market? Well, if you could do that, so how does that work? Do you, do you know exactly when the two worst days are going to be? Do you sell out at 3.59 Eastern the day before and then buy back in uh, at 3.59 Eastern the next day? Or do you buy back in at the low? You start to kind of see how that may not work out. So I wanted to take some time. A few people have asked just not only, and this isn't a, a predictive podcast, but I wanted to take you around the landscape and some of the things that I think you should be watching. And obviously, corporate profits are a big deal. I think the oil or the focus on oil, remember that they release on inflation both a, uh, a core CPI and core PCE, which is uh, the PCE is actually what the, the Fed uses more uh, to, to sort of gauge things. And then they look at a, uh, well, they, they look at a CPI and a PCE, then they look at core, and core is X food and energy. And so, you know, remember that uh, energy definitely fluctuates, but energy on a, an inflation adjusted basis is not really as up as much as as you would think. So anyway, th those are the things I'd be watching. Just uh, but stay hedged, stay invested, stay hedged. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everybody listening. We will hit a, a record. Uh, in fact, we, we already have hit a record for most downloads in a month, which I'm, I'm pretty happy about. And we continue getting new listeners. And by all means, if you're one of our listeners, Go ahead and send me an email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K dot Moore, M-O-O-R-E, at ZegaFinancial.com. At Z is in Zebra, E-G-A, uh, financial, Derek dot Moore at ZegaFinancial.com. I'd love to hear from people. Let me know other topics you'd like me to cover. And uh, working on a few guests as well. So we, we've, uh, we haven't really had a, a lot of guests, and it's some of that is uh, I just haven't lined up people. Uh, certainly, I'm offered guests all the time. And uh, rather than rating and starring and reviewing, go ahead and share this podcast with someone who you think might enjoy it, might get something out of it. And remember, we've got tons of episodes now. I mean, we're, we're at 144, so the catalog is pretty large. A lot of those are evergreen, meaning if you listen to them today versus three years ago, they are still just as good. And... Uh, appreciate you listening. All right. We'll see everyone next week. Take care.